Today's episode of Read Me Romance is brought to you by The Cowboy's Baby, written by New York Times bestselling author Jessica Clare. Out now! Against the beautiful setting of small-town Wyoming, adorable dog trainer Annie finds unexpected love with a local cowboy named Dustin. He's charming, capable, rugged, and can't seem to stop himself from breaking condoms. Oops! While Annie is prepared to walk away and raise her baby by herself, Dustin isn't so ready to say goodbye. He has to prove to Annie that she has a future in Wyoming and capture her heart before it's too late. Get clicking, lady listeners. The Cowboy's Baby by Jessica Clare is out now. Bye! Hey, lady listeners. Happy Friday! Happy Friday! You made it! I leave tomorrow for vacation! (laughs) (laughs) Yay for Mel! I don't. I'm probably running around like crazy today. (laughs) I know I just got back from one, but I'm ready for another one. Can I come with you? (laughs) Can I get in your suitcase? Leah, your dog's sitting next to you. Tell us about your dog. You're not keeping her in the pantry anymore? I've said this like, no, she's not in the pantry. She got back from boot camp. And I've said like 17 times I want to talk about how good she is. Because I I talked about it on the week with Naima Simone. Uh, no, or maybe the week before. I can't remember. But anyways, I sent her to a program. It's called Off Leash Training, Aurora Rose. I had mentioned it last time. I sent her dog to it, Sophie. By the way, I saw on Aurora Rose, like her Instagram the other day, that her dog, the dad, was like her dog's dad, was in like Ringling Brothers. Like it was one of those poodles that does tricks and shit. I was like, no way. Like that's so fucking cool, right? Yeah. I just thought that was a fun fact. But anyway, so like she went to boot camp for two weeks and so we picked her up and there's training and stuff that we still have to do at home with her. We have to work with her like 45 minutes a day, but it's in like five to 10 minute increments, like just working with her on her commands and stuff. But she is so calm and so good. And like, it's just, it's, it's amazing. But like, I met with a trainer when I picked her up and they spent a couple hours going over all the stuff that they learned and like how to teach you and stuff like that. And one of the things that I really had to change my mindset was that she was like, you know, your dog Blueberry, like she's a, you know, she's a working dog. Like she wants to have a purpose. Like, you know, she wants to please you. And she's like, you can't, you know, she's like one of the best things you can do for her is make her earn her affection. She's like, you know, she was like, we all, she was like, dogs are sweet. They're fun. Like we love them. You just want to go and roll around with them. She was like, but if she's, if you want to do that with her, she's like, you've got to make her do a command first so that she knows she's done a good job. And I was like, I just never thought of it that way. And so like, before I go up and give her a hug or tell her, you know, good girl or whatever, like I have to make her sit or make her lay down or. You're like her dog. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Basically. Yes. Like that's when she, she has to earn her affection. And so, like, it's it's this really twisted BDSM relationship we have now. <laughs> but it's kind awesome. of what it is if you think about it. Yeah. Oh, but, I'm like, not com- the- oh my God. I'm not comparing. If any if anybody is, like, in the lifestyle <laughs> listening to this, oh, I'm definitely God. not comparing no, no, no. it to dog, like, Listen, being a dog. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> because I just thought the Dom is actually the one. He wants it just the as alpha. bad as the other person. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But he I has to wait, to be- too. I know. I want to love her. I want her to behave. Like, let's figure out how to incorporate both of those. But I will say that, you know, I mean, you're going to get a nasty email because I was talking about fat vampires and somebody said I was fat shaming. When oh I, was my like, God. I was like, fuck you. I'm a size fucking 18 slash 20. Kiss my fat fucking ass is what I want to say. Like, a, fat is not a bad word. All right. And if I got turned into a vampire right now, I'd have some wide ass thighs for all of eternity that I just have to learn to love. I mean, come on. I was wondering if we were going to address this on the podcast. I you just answered my question. That. No, because, that just well, brought it little, up for me. Oh, I just, forgot about it so much so because I thought it was completely ridiculous. I was, I was like, like, somebody just somebody accused s- Leah of fat shaming. I was okay. Like, what? <laughs> me? Fat shaming? Are you kidding? me anyways yeah you're gonna get some bdsm emails i'm sure so there you go <laughs> yeah no i when we were when we saw that tweet we were like was there was there fat shaming and i was like how could any of us ever like it's just not in our i don't think we have the ability to fat shame 
We read two books went live today about girls who crash weddings for cake. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> and also, you're right about that. I don't think like I feel like we've kind of taken back the the negative connotation of the word fat now. Yeah. Like where it's not a bad word anymore because big women are like owning that word. Yeah. And making it so it's not something that's so threatening and offensive. Like it really, it's kind of, right? Is it, am I, am I right about that? Because I, I always follow, I always refer back to this actress I follow, Jamila Jamil on Instagram and who's really super body, body positive. And she kind of like, she uses the word fat, but not in a bad way. You know, yeah. like it's not like an accusation or like something mm-hmm. about your appearance. It's just like. To me, it's like the word cunt. You can use that. <sighs> It, yeah, I use it a hundred times a day in the most beautiful way. I think. <laughs> Look at the word bitch. Yeah, they exactly. took that word nasty bitch and yeah. ran with it. Right, yeah, nasty exactly. woman. Right. Yeah. You, know, you just take woman, o- you take ownership of the you take ownership of the word. Yeah. And it kind of like so I just feel like the word only has the power you give it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just like I mean, for somebody to say I'm fat shaming, like that's just hysterical to me. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I, t- I, I messaged you back. And I was, well, I messaged you back, and I'd had a couple glasses of wine, but I was just like, "How <laughs> you guys are like the most like body positive? Like, <laughs> it's just so upsetting." Anyway. <laughs> I felt like Lieutenant Dan when he was like in Forrest Gump when he goes, "Kiss my crippled ass." <laughs> like, when he says that, that's what I felt like. When I so we're here for willow winters week this is the read me romance podcast um and you can kiss our fat asses (laughs) we're about to play the final installment of a kiss to keep by willow winters and i promise we'll play it soon but we're yeah, we're chatting. You guys, you guys no, gave uh, put some questions up in headquarters that we're going to answer before we set up, set you off on that on yeah, the final chapter. So I did a ask me any. If you're not in our Facebook group, go get in it. It's on Facebook. Read me romance headquarters. You have to request to get in it. That's just so your mom and dad can't see what you post in there. That's the only reason we ask you to request. You're going to get in. And also, so, so like random in our quick links. Get in. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what'd you say, Mel? I said it's in the quick links on Instagram. You can find the group link and click it. So yeah, so I went in our Read Me Romance Headquarters group and I asked for people to, I said, okay, so we've got some stuff we're going to go over on the podcast. I said, let's do an AMA, which is, it means ask me. A couple of people posted some really cool questions and I think I even tagged you guys and I was like, P.S. If your name is Tessa Bailey or Melissa King, don't read this. Oh, I already read them. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Oh, I, I, like, I figured them. this is not going to stop anybody. One of the questions I really liked was if you were if you weren't a writer what would you like to be doing professionally if you didn't write go ahead Mel <laughs> oh god <laughs> now having said that that I read them I haven't actually thought of an answer for anything, which is defeats the whole purpose I know right so you don't have your answer locked and loaded. no I'm really good at management <laughs> if I wasn't writing I, that's what I used to be was like a CFO I would I manage money and manage projects manage things like that, multitasking, five million things. So I'd probably be still doing something like that. If I was to quit now, I would like to manage like five or six authors. That would, I think, would be interesting to me. Oh, that would be really, you'd be so good you at that. You'd be so can't, good at that. Yeah. I'm never going to let you do that, but you'd be really good at it. I thought, I was like, if I wasn't writing and I could pick something new to do, it would probably be that. Like, I would be. You would I still would only, be in the community. I'd be in the community, but I'd only have like five or six yeah. authors. That's it. You'd be like an agent. You'd be like Ari from Entourage. <laughs> You'd make fucking dreams come Without true. the personality disorder again. You sure? I, are you sure about that? <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I, you know, like I, I'm not good at management. I'm the opposite of you. Like I did work in property management for a while, not like managing my own properties, but managing them for this big Greek family. And I would just like, lo- I would just write things down on post-its and lose them. And I'd have it always have an overflowing inbox. And I would just like get things I didn't know what to do with. And I'd hide them in drawers. And here's, like, I'm not good. Here's a rule <laughs> that I tell people that it works really well for things like this when you're managing a bunch of stuff. If you didn't say it to me in an email, you never said it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is how, well, the, for the first season of this podcast, we we did everything via voice message. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, which we were like, what? You we forget. We, yes. Yeah, you and, this, and it disappears an after two minutes. So then Leah would, mm-hmm. finally was like, we just have to start emailing about things. <laughs> I was like, um, maybe we should write this down, y'all. <laughs> I think I would like to uh, work with, honestly, like... I've gone into my daughter's class a few times to read books to the class, and I'm like, I think I really like would have liked teaching, honestly. Oh, I think you would be a good teacher. I could totally see you doing that. I've had somebody tell me once before that when they meet me at a signing, they expect me to be, because I write kind of smutty, and they they expect me to be like different and when i get when they get there i'm like a sunday school teacher that's what they, they rem- i remind them of a sunday school teacher you like guys. your mary yeah. poppins halloween I can costume see them. <laughs> <laughs> leah what do you want to do if you couldn't write you know i don't I, I don't i was really good in banking like i did that for a long time it definitely wasn't like my passion or calling in life but the whole process really appealed to me like just because it was very black and white you have federal regulations and rules and I'm just like a task oriented person so if like you tell me I need you to do a b and c I'm like great let me check those boxes like that's just I work better like that when I know I have like certain expectations so like I was really good at it but I don't know that I'd want to do it like if you know, it's funny that Mel said she would manage authors because I feel like I would want a life coach. Oh, like I, you I feel you'd be a good motivational yeah. speaker. Yeah, I feel like I'd be. Mm-hmm. I I, can, I feel like I'd just really like somebody who just maybe needs to focus or needs some direction or needs somebody to be really honest with them about you know what they're doing and where they're going. Like, you know, if you want that blunt answer, I'm your girl. Like, remember you the know? time you told me to pull my head out of my ass? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> last time we hung I out. Did- <laughs> oh, that's right. We were at the murder thing. Uh, and I, No, I, what I said was, I looked at you and I said, friend to friend, get your head out of your ass. And you're like, I know. I know. And I was <laughs> like, like <laughs> no, I froze for like five seconds. I was like, did I hear her right? <laughs> and then I but was you like, were like I did. You were like nodded. You were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I should. I think we were just talking about like the way I deal with my my marriage and the, the all the stuff that goes on with my kid and stuff like my control problem but you it's know. just you you know but you know I think I'd be good at just to like be a be the to go be the go-to person you know if somebody needed a life coach I think I'd be good with that I'd be like I think this is where you're fucking up like let's let's reevaluate that yeah you would definitely be good at that <laughs> So what are the, um, do you have another question there? Yes, I have a couple more actually. So I wanted to get like a good one though. Hold on. I actually thought this one's cute. If y'all were mythical creatures, what would you be? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, like, so, so something. Like like something that's not real. So like, there's like. Can I make something up? Yeah. A centaur. (laughs) I always think the centaur looks like the most uncomfortable thing. (laughs) Like, every time I see a centaur, I'm like, oh, great. Like, it's like line dancing. It makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it'd be a mermaid. I'll start with that. I think it'd be really cool to be a mermaid. They just, maybe it's been glamorized, but <laughs> I feel like that'd be fun. So a mythical creature, like a, a, a man who <laughs> knows where the clitoris is and cleans the house. <laughs> <laughs> so basically be a romance hero. Yeah, exactly. I want to be a real life romance hero. You know, like I feel, yeah. I feel like that would be my mythical creature. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, do you have one, Mel? Mel, you have yeah. uni- you have unicorn hair. I guess you could be a unicorn or a muse. Oh, by the way, so you guys put out the book Muse recently, and I, the book I wrote for season three of the podcast, has like a muse theme, but it's not like she's not actually a muse. Like it's just like. She gets accused of being one. And so Eagle wrote me back. She's like, just so you know. And I was like, oh, my God. I, like, had a panic attack. She's like, just so you know, they have a book coming out about me, Amuse. You know, like, so it's literally the same thing. I had this a panic attack. This is what happens. It's like all of our periods have synced up, and now we're all writing the same goddamn books. I know. And it's like, <laughs> what, did somebody, did we have, like, an email about that or something no. that we had a conversation about it where it sparked both of our ideas? But she Michelle said it's nothing like it. They're nothing like each other. But No. Yeah. But it's just funny that, like, it came out. I do love the idea of a muse. It, may, it reminds me of that movie, yes, Almost Famous. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, is there a movie called Muse? Yeah. She's hilarious. Who's in it? The, girl, the woman in it. in it. I can't remember. It's been so long. But I do like the movie Almost Famous, though. I like that. I love that movie. Where Lady is. Lady's the muse. Penny Lane, the girl, uh, is Kate Hudson? Is she a muse? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't. She's a groupie, but. She's a groupie. 
kind of got stuck. Yeah. The, She's a Band-Aid, bitches. There is okay. a movie called <laughs> The Muse that was back from uh, 1999. Okay. This had Sharon Stone in it, and she's the Muse. She's hilarious. You know what? I'd rather be a siren. I want to sit there and bring men to their death. <laughs> like, come at me, is that the best? So that's what you would be instead of a mermaid? Yes. The same thing, You could right? be both. Is you could have a tail yeah. and be a siren. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Just, I'm just, I'm nobody, there's no rules for this kind of thing. <laughs> it's open to interpretation. I'll okay. be Medusa then. I forgot about oh. that. <laughs> All right. So another one I liked was, what has been the hardest book to write and what has been the easiest one to write? Everything for her was really easy. We were easiest. getting there and each of us would write like 4,000 words. Just like 100%. bam, bam, bam. That was the easiest book I've ever written. It was the longest book we've ever written. Easiest thing. By far. It was like a hundred thousand words that just poured out. Um, I don't know where it came from. Menages and the forced submission yeah. are harder for me. Those are yeah, I was gonna say those are tough for you for sure. I like this not the silly ones, but the ones where the heroines are extra ditzy, like those are more difficult for me to write. Where I'm just like, why does this guy even want to fuck her? <laughs> 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 and then I have to come up with a reason why does he want to fuck her? <laughs> but I think those are those are more difficult. So what about you, Tessa? I have a romantic suspense series that was probably the hardest to write just because like there's more moving parts and there actually is like a there's a secondary plot to the to the romance. Like it's not just about the hero and the heroine falling in love and what's keeping them apart. There's like, you know, this person, you got to come up with a plot twist and there's got to be danger and all that kind of stuff. And they were 80,000 words a piece. And I feel like that was a huge struggle. Yeah. The- I, I find it hard when you don't have, when the heroine doesn't have a best friend. To have yeah. like, the banter with. Yeah. It's really hard for me. When they're isolated. I need, yeah, I need somebody to bounce with. Yeah. You know, I felt like the book Sheltered that we wrote was really easy to write. That one I felt was easy, even though it was like romantic suspense, because it was like there was two different stories, like you say, happening. Where it was like, you know, there was the bad guy and doing this bad thing, but then the girl had been kidnapped by the hero. So then we got a lot of dialogue and, you know, stuff like that that way so maybe that kind of circumvented it i don't know but i I, that one was easy to write i thought it's always harder to write books that people are expecting from us what was the closer (laughs) i thought closer was actually kind of tough to write because by that point and that was in the the after everything it's the virgin one that's about to air i think you're talking about no i'm talking about closer in the everything for her series the big the third book in that one closer is the one you wrote for claimed Claimed, claimed, that's it. Claimed, oh. yeah. So claimed was like that. I thought when the we wrote suspense part was harder. Yeah, well, and then we were six books in. You know, I mean, we had written everything for her and his alone, and, and the then kids books. and then we had written the kids books, which was a trilogy. That's you know the three novellas. We wrote those, and then we were like, oh my god, now we have to write a seventy thousand word book for claimed. And by that point, you know, we were you know five books deep. And we had to write this sixth book, and it had to be really long, and it, we wanted suspense in it, and it was just like, that one I felt like it took a lot of plotting and extra time and stuff. I mean, the book, I think, turned out great, and it was worth it, but it felt like, you know, in the beginning, it was like kind of going through mud a little bit, because we were like, all right, we've got to find the rhythm with this story. And so, I think that's one of our most underplayed books. I do, too. too. I agree. That story was so good in that. Like, I think it turned out really, really well. Even though, like, I was worried. That's a friend's deliver, Tessa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That is a friend's deliver. And, like, they have the greatest, like, silly moments that happen with them. And, like, these little, like, meat cutes and stuff that keep happening. Like, at one point, they go on horse carriage ride, and, like, the horse has, like, really awful gas. And, like, they're trying to, like, make it through and make it nice, but, like, they're both disgusted. Yeah, like, it's really cute. Friends to lovers are, it's my favorite. It's usually my favorite. But it's really, it's a real dance writing Friends to Lovers because it's it's like they already know each other so well and it's really hard to keep them from, like, they don't, they can't just say, okay, I love you and I love you. It has Mm -hmm. to be, there has to be a reason they're not just confessing that to each other, which is a really difficult thing when they're best friends or, I mean, they would just, they would either know something was up or they would just tell each other. So it's hard, like, you have to create a reason for them to, like, for that. That dance it's got to be happen. a good one. It has to be a good reason. 
Yeah. And sometimes they've already been saying I love you and now it's got to be a different kind of I love you. Yeah, yeah. I'm in uh-huh. love with you. Yeah. One of the other things somebody said was, this is for me. Has anyone ever told you that you sound just like Kelly Pickler? LOL. And I love her, by the way, so it's not a bad thing. Fun fact. I'm living in Albemarle, North Carolina. That is the town Kelly Pickler's from. There's even a sign here that says, home of Kelly Pickler. <laughs> Swear to God. When we moved here, that was like the first thing I saw. And I was like, no shit. But we sound the same because we're both from the Carolinas. She we was both sound she was adorable in American like Idol. Like honky tonk. So adorable. Well, she, and she had her show like afterwards that I thought was pretty cute too. So I really liked her. She was very charming. But I hate that this town, like the biggest claim to fame they've ever had is like a sixth place finisher <laughs> on American <laughs> Idol. Like, and the I one mean, that like everybody I, was making fun of for being yes, like, you know, like spacey. Redneck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's me. I didn't say that. Um. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> also, somebody said, we all know that Leah Robinson gives great hair advice. What other advice does she give? And do you always follow it? Have I given you guys any advice that you followed <laughs> since I'm a life coach? Now? <laughs> <laughs> really you do give good that. advice. You, I, yeah. like, I, you give really good advice about theme park route planning. You know, <laughs> like you, um, when I went to Universal... You like you you sent me a map, me a map with with yep. a highlighted route that I should take mm-hmm. with arrows and like mm-hmm. an, a contingency plan and yep. hit this Don't first deviate. hit this second. But you do give good advice about you know just like a lot of stuff. I mean like products to buy, but also <laughs> yeah like deals. Way Let's to get make this about me. Good deals and okay good. Yeah. Oh, did I, I tell I, you I'm going to the my favorite murder book tour? No, are you? They're only going to two fucking places. Listen to what happened. Oh my god! So they're coming. They're going to like Chicago, New York, and L.A. or something. So they're coming yeah, to New York for one small. night, right? Oh at, my god! They're going to Town Hall, which uh-huh. is small as well. It's really small. Yeah. So my friend Jill. Okay, I just have to talk to you really quick about Jill. She is a fucking ride or die. Like she is okay. one of these people who you're like, we have to go to this, and she's like, yeah, we have to fucking go to this. We have to fucking go to this. Like she's like, <laughs> we have to do it. She's we have to do man. it. It's happening. She's your hype man. Yeah. She gets like really hyped up, and it makes you feel like you know she's just she's never like mediocre on anything. She's a hundred percent on everything. So they did two pre sales. They did one pre sale for my favorite murder cult fan cult group mm-hmm. members yeah we both were in the cult we tried to get tickets didn't didn't get them mm-hmm. she joined she became a member of town hall no shit was an expensive membership yeah <laughs> just so she could get the town hall pre-order the next day holy fuck I know. wow so funny that's so, we got so awesome we're in the orchestra Damn. we're like right there so what are they doing for the book don't tour know. then are they doing like a show or just a sign or i don't know we oh, actually, wow. we have no idea, but like, I'm hoping because it's only two stops that maybe she'll have like, I don't know, special like something guests or cool. Something? Yeah, I no, exactly. That'd be awesome. Yeah. God, I'm super jealous. Wait, Le- Mel, okay. you, what, what else does Leah give good advice on? Sorry for the sidetrack. No, it's okay. Oh, I don't, if you ask her anything, she'll, like she said, she'll straight, straight shoot Yeah, tell you what's going on. Yeah, like telling you to pull your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just telling her that like I you know I take over everything from my husband and then I get upset at him when he doesn't help <laughs> but it's my yeah, fault. Yeah, and I was I... like, guess what? You're an enabler. You're doing this. You're doing this to yourself. Yeah, you need to stop doing this. Does anybody else have that problem where they <laughs> where they like? My therapist once told me that you cannot expect people to do anything. You must ask. That's good advice. Oh my god, I'd rather die. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm like, I want them to see that they need to do this. She's like, that's no. not how it works. No, you ask or you don't get. That's how you get resentment built up. Because you you want them to do this, but you want it done a certain way. And then you do it yourself, and they're not doing it. And then you resent them for not doing it, but you're doing it yourself. Like, it's like the other day when we were talking about it, and I was like, the dishwasher doesn't have to be loaded the exact way you want. The The cupboard doesn't have to be stacked the right way. You know, you don't have to, to fold towels the exact right way. They just have to get done. And it, it one po- at some point in your life, you'll realize this, and you'll let it go, and you will be forever changed. It's just actually getting to that point. I'll try. I'll try harder. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> you can say the advice. Doesn't mean we always follow through with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know it. I know, but at least but you, you get less angry though. Yeah. Then after you start to get angry, then you realize uh-huh. I didn't ask. Exactly, so, and yeah, okay, or take a and you've, or that you've enabled this behavior. You like you form this resentment 
But resentment festers and turns into things that are much uglier than just resentment. You want to know something that I really learned that I realized I did that my therapist pointed out was I make it so people are enabled on me so that if I get angry with them, I can stop doing it all. And then all their shit can fall apart. Yeah. So, so you're, you're like, going you to stop, and then they're like, like oh, I don't going. have the... <laughs> then you, like, stop doing it for them, and they're like, oh, my God, I don't have this, I don't have that. And you're like, ha, ha. And then you get to feel like, yeah, you're like the smug. Big yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when really you're just an asshole. Yeah, so really, that's true. you get an ask. So really yeah, that's getting... why you're doing it in the first place, is so you can get to that point. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And it's like, it's are you really just being mean? Or are you just being spiteful? Are you really being helpful to help them? Or are you being helpful for yourself? Yeah. So maybe you don't. So that you you're just doing it because you want to be acknowledged as the one that's keeping everything together. Probably, yeah. Probably. Or if like, like you want to feel problem. needed, like, just tell me I'm the best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just but tell you know me I'm the one that's keeping everything together. Just tell me. Do you know how many times a week I say that though? That tell me. I told my husband last night. So this weekend, uh, yesterday, I replaced a screen door on our porch. I took it apart, rescreened it, painted it, hung it back up. I made my husband come outside five times last night and tell me how great it was. <laughs> I was like, "Look at this! Didn't I do a good job? Like I need praise." But I recognized that through the rea- through the realization of resentment and enabling, I've recognized that I have to say that to get what I need. Yeah. I have to say. Tell me I did a good job. Praise me. Brag on me. I had to. I that's literally have to say that. As a talker, though, I'm not a talker, so that's not so easy for me to be like, "Tell me." I'm like, "Look at this shit. Look how amazing I am. I'm a fucking woman. Roar! Like this is awesome." He's like, "It's beautiful, babe. You're the best. It's awesome." Like I just sat outside last night with a glass of wine, just looking at it. <laughs> fucking awesome. I did. It was great. I'm proud of you, Leah. Good Thanks. job. It That's was really pretty door. It made me think. Oh, and you sent them a picture of it? <laughs> Fuck yeah. I posted it on Instagram. It's on oh. Lisa Instagram. Oh my God, I, I didn't see it. Go look at it. Look at it right now. I don't have internet down here. Damn it. God damn Because when I thought of a screen door, I think of like this old screen door from the 90s when I was a kid. But no, you're just like a nice modern screen door. I was like, oh, I want a screen door. That looks really nice. Well, it's from 1929. (laughs) I like the double square. Yeah. Instead of like, I think of screen doors, I think of that, like the the metal handle where it's like, no, this (laughs) is the old Tommy, like a push and it has a spring that snaps it back. Yeah. It's like when it closes now. But before, it was kind of redneck, but it was, like, bright yellow because that used to be the exterior color of our house. It had holes in the screens where somebody had, like, kicked it through or something. And so I took the door apart. I took the frame out. I bought new screening, put it down, reframed it. And then I did have to ask my husband to cut the wood because I get scared with, like, electrical saws. And I was like, my fingers fingers are more important than his because I need to be able to write. What do you have to cut for it? The framing, like the wood frame on the inside, where that so you you put the screen down and then you staple it into place and then you put wood trim on top of it to cover up the staples. So I have a question. Yeah. Can't you just buy one? Yeah, I could. This one's original to the house. Like it's you know from nineteen twenty nine, so it, it fits perfectly too. Like it's you know made for the house. Well, and like I just saw your Instagram story and it looks beautiful. It's really nice. Thank you. Very tasteful. It looks brand new. That's yeah. how it, it does. It looks you really buy good. One like that? Yeah, it does. It looks brand new. It took me like maybe three hours. I just had to wait on the paint to dry between the, the things. Oh, that's all it took. I figured it took you like God. No, I didn't get started till like three o'clock, and I put I took it apart and I did it and I hung it back up and I painted it. And then I went and cooked dinner. We ate dinner, cleaned up, went outside, put another coat of paint. Do another, do a time lapse. Take it apart, do it, unpaint Mm -hmm. it, and then do a time lapse of it. Do it again. You want me to redo it? For next time. Yes, please. Okay, great. Awesome. Do you guys ever watch Flea Market Flip? on HGTV. No, what's the, what is that? It's is that great. Like, is that like the people that you met in the elevator that time? No. The, the Junkers or what is that Look, show? Look, everybody's going to be so excited Pickers. about this. American Pickers. Pickers. That was it. Yes. I met Mike from American Pickers in an elevator in Cleveland. And I reacted like Elvis had just walked into the elevator. <laughs> Like, I was like, oh, my God. And then the elevator guy, I, there was an elevator operator in there who was like, are you picking stuff in Cleveland? And, like, everybody recognized him in the whole elevator. And he was just like, I, 
he was so nice. He took a picture with us. I'll post it. Yeah. Anyways, but flea market flip is it's like two teams of two people each, and they go around the flea mar a flea market. They buy three items. And then they rehab them or turn them into something else or, like, remake yeah. them. And then they try to sell them. And whoever sells their stuff for the most money wins. Like, a oh, couple I'd thousand bucks. Oh, oh, you love it. It's so Okay, I want to nice. do that for a living instead of writing. <laughs> you want to be a flea market flipper? I would absolutely refinish furniture for a living. 1,000%. I've refinished so much old furniture that I've found at, like, oh. flea markets or antique stores and Leah. stuff. Where like a strip it down and redo it. Oh my god, that turns. You me need on to so watch much. Mia Sheridan's Instagram videos because that's really? what she does. She goes, Ooh. she finds things on Craigslist that people are mm-hmm. selling. She'll go drive hours out of her way to go yeah. pick up the piece of furniture, and then she'll do mm-hmm. a whole story about it. Oh, love it. That's like fifteen frames long. Do you know? Oh, like I know we've sidebarred the shit out of this, but like so yesterday I come home from Lowe's and I walk in and I'm like, babe, I got you two strippers, and he's like, what? And I'm holding up two jugs of strippers, <laughs> like for the paint. So like, cause our front door, it's so beautiful. It's like this. It's again, it's original to the house, but it's an arched door, so it's like rounded at the top. So we can't really replace it, but it's been painted a ton of times. So I'm gonna strip it and and just have the wood and just shellac that. So that's my next project, and I'm really excited about it so i bought the stripper yesterday for it and it has to sit you know for a few hours so i'm gonna do it this weekend Good. yeah i'm really excited about it that's gonna be that, well i'm gonna make, make sure to keep an eye on those alexa Riley instagram, <laughs> instagram stories okay let's do all one right. more question before we okay. play this final section all right one of them said have I'm, i want to read it exactly right i know what the question is but i didn't want to like but wait i did like this one what's where did you want to visit that you haven't been before is there a place that you haven't visited that you would love to go to i'm going this summer i wanted i've 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 always wanted to see big sur in california and i and i've lived i'd like lived in san diego my whole life until i was 18 and never went but it's uh the, this beautiful like rocky like cliffy coastline in california and it's like there's no wi-fi and it's very rustic and Catherine nolan wrote this book bohemian where it that takes place there and it made me want to go there even more so i've always wanted to go to big sur as know. someone who recently drove past it it's gorgeous gorgeous yeah so, yeah that's gonna be cool i'm really excited about that i also i've always wanted to go to spain someday Oh my like god! Like Barcelona yes. and absolute hand- Madrid was one of the most beautiful and fun places I've ever been. My husband and I we were talking about it just like two nights ago. We we're like, God, I want to go back to Spain so bad. I mean, it was like Madrid was so nice because it was really hot when we went, and we just we would go out in the morning, walk around, see some stuff, come back in the afternoon, like just get drunk on our balcony, like. <laughs> hump like rabbits like it was amazing like it was it was one of the best vacations ever because like we saw some incredible stuff but we just reconnected because it was like we were just in the middle of like this beautiful city and it was just it was really romantic and barcelona was just gorgeous and i mean we went to valencia as well like we went through we drove it it was just incredible it was so beautiful Mel, where do you want to go? Um, I've always wanted to do one of those huts over the water in like Fiji. Oh, that sounds so like nice. the glass bottom huts that you can like yes. see the water. I'd love to do that. The flight though, that just that puts me off. Like the flight to get to That's it. That's what puts me off. Yeah, it's really expensive too. Like it's like it's like taking a chunk when you think about how much it costs to rent one yeah. and fly there. And it's like you know what I could do with that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's worth a week. You're like how many other trips? You could probably could build a class this? glass bottom hut in your backyard <laughs> over a pool, fill it I with could. fish. You could go around your pond. How many times, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I I look at it, and I'm just like, ah. And you have to go for like a week or so. Oh yeah, it's, a long it's not flight. worth it. Yeah. Just watch Megan and March's like, Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> and but live vicariously like, through her like i want to go to hawaii and i want to go to australia but the flight itself like it's you have to go for so long to make it worth it you know? i know and that's that's part of the reason i'm not really excited about mexico is because i'm going to be gone for seven days and that just makes me nervous nervous i don't like it yeah yeah and fiji's so far away i'm like i only want to go somewhere like four days yeah and then i want to come back home my daughter but wants Mexico's to go to hawaii she she says she it's the one to. place she wants to go Hawaii and she you know to be Moana. it's just so far <laughs> like you would have to stop in California for a couple of days and then take yeah, the flight to yeah. Hawaii. 
Well, they have one that you can go for a straight shot from Texas now. But the I talked to somebody recently, my friend Kim. She was telling me we met up in San Francisco, and she was saying when they went to Hawaii, they took the flight from Texas, and it's like she said it was way too long. It was like twenty eight hours or something. She said people were like pacing up and down the aisles, just pacing. I can't. She said it was. She was like it was miserable. Whenever she I was hear like, about I won't people do that that get again. stuck in like a holding pattern because they can't land and they're just mm-hmm. circling for hours, yeah. that gives me anxiety. Like or being stuck on the runway. Mm-hmm. Just like that five minutes of when you're trying to get off the plane to disembark and everybody's yeah. just like crowded into the Standing aisle for up. some reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you can't get off. That makes me really nervous. I don't know why people do that. That annoys it makes I know. Them getting sit out down. makes me anxious. I'm like, sit down, take a breath, guys, and then we'll all get up in a minute. I know. <laughs> it's like the second they're like, okay, it, the second it stops moving, everybody jumps up to try, try to get their bag out, and then they're like hitting people and mm-hmm. um I would really love to go to Australia. You know, we were, my husband and I, we were talking the other night. I was like, okay, let's say for some reason you could only take two plane flights for the rest of your life. You could only pick two. Or where would you go? And and he was like, you know, he's like, I don't know. Like, we, we talked about it for a while. And I was like, well, I always want to go to Alaska, but you could technically drive there if you had to. But I'd really like to see Iceland. I like I've always wanted to see that. It just looks so beautiful, and it looks like I've just been fascinated with it. I'd love to go to Iceland, and I said I'd really like to go to Australia. So maybe one day we'll do both. So cool. All right. So should we go ahead and play the final installment of A Kiss to Keep by Willow Winters? We can. I had one more question. Do you want? Do you want to just? Do it. Yeah, Go let's do into it. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought it was kind of funny too. It says, "Have you or your kids ever uh, have your kids ever busted you having sex, and how did you cover oh. for it, or have they found your toys?" I had both experiences, and it's always an interesting experiment into my improbability. Uh. <laughs> yes, I had my. I had it happen like a few months ago. Peyton brought down. Well, brought down like my dildo or some something we bought when we were like in Vegas. I don't even think we really used it. And it's still in my drawer because he's like, what is this? I'm like, what? Nothing. Mind your business. So it's still in my office drawer, like shoved in it the It was bathroom. in your office drawer? No, oh, he my- got it out of my bath, out of my bedroom. Oh, and, and brought, brought it down, down to me oh, while I was in my office. So right now it's still in my desk drawer because oh, I haven't taken God. it back. Oh, my God. And it's God. been there for a few months. Wait a minute. Oh, I, ha- I just thought of something that's crazy. Remember when you guys had the blog and you ran a contest? It was like... <gasps> the, yeah, yeah, the glass the gold, dildo the golden yeah. dildo awards or something yeah the golden dildo and I won and you sent me a glass dildo and mm-hmm. I, I kept it in my office drawer for years I don't know why yeah. it was in like a little velvet pouch so I just yeah, like it yeah. was innocuous my daughter oh. found it and was like what's this <laughs> so you guys are actually responsible for my daughter finding a sex toy stop it but she did find my Lilo and take it out of my drawer it's like lime green and uh i said but it's they a, don't really it's a look like pen that. it vibrates yeah. and it, sc- it scribbles the circles that's what it is and it's my private pen and just leave it where it is <laughs> <laughs> i told her it was one of those you know those squiggle pens that like it vibrates and then it makes the shapes on the paper but like that's the thing too is like lilos don't look like vibrators they don't look like big dicks so and you no. know it's not a foul most of them aren't like in a phallic shape so you wouldn't like if it was one of the small ones you wouldn't know no like you could say it was your private personal squiggle pen <laughs> it's my per- it's my private personal squiggle pen and only i am allowed to use it <laughs> well but she's never walked in an, an, in on us having sex uh that i, don't I know i've had that one happen no. I don't think so. Oh, God, I hope not. I don't think so, anyways. like Although, like, sometimes you go on vacation with your kids and, like, it, it's, it's you're on, like, a two-week vacation. You got to get somehow. Like, you got to do it somehow. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yep. you're in the bathroom, like, you know. At, we're just going to take a shower. We're just going to take, yeah. <laughs> she probably, I'm sure she has no idea. <laughs> so this never happened to you, Leah? No, no neither. Thank God. I mean, I'm usually pretty good about putting stuff away, but I have no doubts that someday it will happen. I think I made it out of my side drawer because they're nosy little shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a nosy little shit. Did you ever find your parents' stuff? 
You found I went your through back. my mom. I, I I'm convinced she's never owned a sex toy, but my I, I went through her her underwear drawer one time because I was curious if she had lingerie. That's oh, that weird because I because no. like I was I really I, I was just interested in anything like sexual or whatever when I was at a certain age and I was curious. Because, no, I, I talked to you. I walked it. in on. Oh, that's right. I walked in on my parents, but they weren't. It looked like they were having sex, but to this day she swears they weren't. What were they doing? Just She's, naked hugging? Wrestling. No. She goes, I guess she felt a weird bump down there. So when I walked in, my dad, that's why she's like, we didn't lock the door because he was looking when I got out of the shower. He was like down, his head was down there looking at I something. I bet he was. <laughs> he was looking for something. I'm for like, 10 minutes? The clitoris. <laughs> yeah, no, Looking for a clitoris. <laughs> He's a mythical creature. She still doesn't cop to it. She's like, he was. <laughs> sure, mom. Okay, this is the final installment of A Kiss to Keep by Willow Winters. And catch up with you guys on the other side. Chapter 5. Chloe. A club, I say, and the humor of the word rests in its cadence. Thought you were tired of clubs. My brow arches as I look up at Bastion when he opens the doors to the red room for me. The second he does, the vibrations of the music hit me, and somehow the dim lighting feels even darker than the night behind us. It's different when I'm not working in it, he comments, and I have to clarify. So you're not working here? There's a small sputter in my chest, afraid that he's holding back, afraid that he's not going to hold up his end of the bargain. It doesn't matter if he does or doesn't. I'm ready to tell him what I know, and that I love him for it. I love my dark night. He's always been my hero. His lips quirk up as he splays his hand on my lower back and leads me to the long L-shaped bar in the far right of the room. Not exactly. Although he's casual, there's a tightness in every small feature of his stance and the way he walks. His answer is one he would have given me a week ago. Hell, even two days ago. He would have left it there and I wouldn't have had the balls to push for more. I would have let the unsettling feeling push us farther apart. Not tonight, though. Not as we brush by the crowded room, past high tables and men and women whose outfits range from both custom suits and short dresses to tattered jeans and thin white tank tops. I'm working with the Cross Brothers, and Jace owns this place, so if he needs me here, I may be here. But I won't be the bouncer or bartender. His eyes hold a brightness. Even though they're dark and in them, I see the reflection of the bottles that line the bar, and more, so much more. Passion, desire, a challenge, and purpose. It's disconcerting in some ways, as I take a seat at the bar, sitting down on the leather stool. I could never give him this. I don't want him to fight, but that's what dark nights are meant to do. You want anything to eat? He asks me, and I shake my head, telling him I just want a cranberry juice. He signals for the bartender easily, but I can tell he's on edge like I am. On edge that the wall of mistruths and hidden secrets is breaking down between us. Bastion, the bartender greets him and then turns to me. You must be Chloe, he says without missing a beat. With his sleeves rolled up and his tattoos showing on his forearms, the man looks deadly, even if he's smiling at me. Italian, dominating, and sexy as hell. Sebastian's told me all about you in the little edition, he says, and his eyes drift lower as he searches for the baby bump. Congratulations, he tells me. Thank you, I respond, but I don't even know his name, and I could cringe at that. I know so little. I don't know anyone here, but that's going to change. Sebastian's only been here a week longer than me, but it's obvious that he belongs here, that he's welcome here. There's a small piece of me that wants to be welcome here, too, for once in my life. Chloe, this is Seth. Bastion tells me, and Seth smiles broad and wide. It's nice to finally meet you, he tells me. And then someone calls for his attention, taking him away, but not before Bastion orders his beer and my drink. He works with Jace. Well, obviously, since this is his bar. No, I mean. Sebastian trails off and runs his hand along the back of his head. Seth likes being behind the bar when he's not working, but he works really close with Jace. He tells me and then pauses. Even the music pauses a beat, 
as if to let the words sink in. What does he do? I ask, and Bastion reaches for his beer. I turn around to thank Seth, seeing my drink right next to my hand for the first time. I hadn't realized he said it there, but he's already moved on to someone else. He does a lot of things, whatever needs to be done, fixes situations that get out of hand. You like him? I ask, letting my fingers sit on the rim of the glass. It slides along the edge, and I wonder if it makes a sound given that the edge is wet, but it doesn't matter. The club is so loud, the soft sound would drown in it. Bastion nods, not showing me any emotion on his face, but steadfastly observing my reaction. Is that what you do too? I ask him, not sure if I really want to know. But I damn well know that I want him to know I'll still love him regardless. No, Bastion takes a drink and then tells me, I'll be staying with Carter, going places with him to make sure things go down the way they're supposed to. Situations? I ask, and before he can even say, yeah, again, I ask, like what you used to do. His tax returns said he was a butcher for Romano, but the scars on his knuckles say otherwise. This time, he only nods, his lips pressed in a tight line. If it needs to be handled, yes, I handle it. So you're the muscle, I comment, and take a sip of the bittersweet drink. I appreciate having to be sober for this. It's surprising how it doesn't bother me, how it even excites me. That's what surprises me the most. I know it's not what you thought I'd be doing when we settled down. He starts to talk and I don't bother to let his mind wander down that path. I never thought I could tame you, Sebastian Black. I never wanted to either. Tame, he says, and huffs a humorless laugh. He swallows thickly, staring at the ring of bubbles on the edge of his glass as he adds, I just want you to know who I am. I've always known who you are. Shaking his head slightly, he stares blankly ahead. I've heard a lot of people. He tells me in a voice so cold and low, as if I still don't get it. You killed them. You didn't just hurt them, you killed them. The club life seems to get louder, but it bleeds together when he looks at me with that intense, icy gaze. I know what you did, I choke out, needing to finally tell him the truth. When we left, I know what you had to do before we could leave. I heard you talking about it on the phone. What? Disbelief lays in the breathy syllable. His stern gaze hardens the depths of the man he is showing. And I love it. I love this side of him. Dare I say, I may even love this side of him more. Not because I love what he does or the actions, but because he's willing to risk everything to fight for what he believes in. I don't know what Carter's gotten himself into. But back when we were only kids, Sebastian did something I know I never could. He made an injustice just. We hadn't been gone long, maybe a few weeks. The words race from me, so willing and eager to finally be heard. Something happened with Carter, and you wanted to go back. I thought we were coming back here, but we didn't. They told you not to. You were talking to someone about the people who were murdered, about the list, about Marcus, Chloe. Bastion says my name like he's daring me to tell him it's a lie. But the words keep running from me, running away like we did all those years ago. And when you came back to the bedroom, I waited for you to tell me what had happened. I wanted to know if Carter was all right, and you didn't say a word. Tears blur my vision, but I don't cry. You never told me anything, even though I knew you were hurting. All I needed was you, and you didn't need to know. He tells me in a single breath, the impact of my confession hitting him and turning his jaw hard. Did you think I wouldn't love you anymore for it, Bastion? Did you think I would leave you? Chloe, he says, my name strained like it hurts him to say it. You would have never told me and I get why, I get it. I don't wait for him to respond before I continue on. And what you did after, when someone came for us, I barely get the words out because I know that night changed him. It was right after he got the call about Carter, so we'd been gone maybe three weeks, constantly moving from place to place, not stopping anywhere. The night after you got that call, there was a knock on the door. Chloe, don't. Bastion's words are only a breath of a wish, 
a wish to not just keep me safe, but to make it so I don't even know about the danger. It's an impossible task, and he needs to know that, even if that means he thinks he failed me. I was awake when you grabbed the gun, and I hate that I pretended to be asleep. I know that's what you wanted. You didn't want me to know. It was Romano. I knew he'd send someone. And I heard everything. I whisper the confession that tears down the wall of pretenses between us. I heard you nearly beat him to death. I heard the message you told that prick to give to Romano. I swallow my words about how I heard him in the bathroom, cleaning up the mess and trying to hold back his own emotions. There's more than anger and rage inside of him. The fear that he couldn't protect me was almost palpable. I was there behind the door with your other gun, Bastion. I was ready to fight with you. But you never wanted that. No, Chloe. I cut him off before he gets carried away, before he can focus on something other than the problem that's keeping a wedge between us. I don't want to be in this world, Sebastian. I belong here nonetheless, and I don't want to fight. But I won't be left in the dark, and I don't want you to think that I shouldn't know the truth, or that when the time comes, I wouldn't be able to be at your side. I know it's my fault to let you think I don't know what you do. But you need to talk to me. I need to know what's going on. His head falls back, and the air leaves him as I grip his hand and beg him to listen to me. It's one thing to let my mind run wild and think these things. It's another for me to know it. But Sebastian, I know. I know you. He turns to look at me as my last word cracks. I whisper, how could I not? You were never supposed to find out, he finally speaks looking away from me and staring straight ahead, failure clearly written in his gaze. I have to stop and take a drink, calming myself down. I thought letting the words out would feel freeing, but that's not at all what this feels like. Instead, it feels like the unraveling I've been terrified of all this time. Did you keep it a secret because you wanted to protect me? Or because you wanted me to think you wouldn't do something like that? Both. He answers me sincerely, looking me in the eyes. Well, you protected me, and I love you regardless. My chest rises and falls quicker, and I can't shake this nervousness, not until he asks me with a rawness in his throat. You know that I love you more than anything, that I would be anyone you need me to be. You don't need to change who you are, but you need to tell me if that's why we're back. It doesn't have to do with that. Romano's still here, but not for long. Then why? I ask him, even though I think I already know. There was a note? My assumption brings his icy blue stare to mine. From Marcus. He warned me that Carter needed me and that we needed him. His gaze drops to my belly and he squeezes my hand. I would never let anything happen to you, Chloe. And I wouldn't have brought you here if I didn't think we needed to be. Marcus said we needed Carter? I clarify, feeling a wave of anxiety run through me. If it was only about Carter, we never would have come here. You know it had to be about you. His words sink in slowly. Even after so much time, there's still a mark on my husband. A mark on me in return. Can you trust Marcus? I ask him, focusing on the fact that we're here, we're safe, and that Bastion will never let anything happen to me or our child. No, he says. And the answer is simple. He leans forward, pulling me into him and giving me a comfort I didn't realize I needed this badly. But he was right about Carter. And he's the reason why Romano's men never came back. I should listen to his warning rather than regret not doing everything I can. If anything ever happened to you or our little one, I wouldn't be able to survive, Chloe. I have to keep my breath steady. I have to keep telling myself that we're safe now. No one is going to hurt us here. This place is changing. Carter and his brothers are taking over. We can't let it stay what it was, Chloe. You know what happened to us, what it was like living here. I know, I whisper, hearing the pain etched in his words, but also the fight. To fight what's wrong in the lowest and most depraved ways. To use violence and force in a world that's nothing but merciless. It's not our fight anymore, but that doesn't mean we should stand back and do nothing. Leaving this place wasn't doing nothing, I tell him, and remember the pain, 
the fear, the courage it took to leave everything behind. But even as they leave my lips, I doubt the truth of the words I've spoken, because they were said out of fear. I didn't say that it was, but now, I know we can do more. I can feel it, Chloe. I'm supposed to be here right now. Taking my hands in his, the rough pads of his thumbs rub soothing circles on the back of my knuckles, staring deep into his eyes and knowing that I see him for who he is and he sees me just the same. Knowing that settles the harsh memories that creep up at the reminder of what used to be. I just don't want you. He pauses to lick his lower lip and exhale a heavy breath. I don't want you to think I'm. His words are lost in the air between us. That I'm. All you will ever be, Bastion, is mine. You are mine, just like I'm yours. I made my life knowing that's who I was and who I wanted to be. It takes more than I realize to admit the words out loud. I don't want to be anything else, and as long as you are mine, that is exactly who you will be to me. Pulling my right hand from his grasp, I cup the side of his jaw in my palm and feel the rough stubble as my thumb runs along his chin. You're okay with being mine still, aren't you? I whisper the question. It's so soft, it's nearly drowned out by the sounds around us. You're too good for me, Chloe. His hand covers mine and I can see in the depths of his eyes he doesn't believe that something so simple is all I need. It's all I've ever needed. I speak without thinking, without processing anything at all. I wasn't whole until I had you, and I don't want to be anything but yours. I don't care if you believe the truth or not. It's still true. It's the truth that worries me. The truth is, you're a good man who does bad, bad things. As Bastion pulls my hand away from his jaw, I can hear him swallow. I can practically feel it myself. The hard, aching truth that I do think what he does is wrong. And I do, on some level. But there's so much wrong in this world. I can't be bothered to let it destroy what I value most of all. And you're mine. The only truth I just said that matters at all is the last one. You still love me? He asks as if it's a real question. Letting a playful smile show, I tease him, staring at his lips as I say, I love the way you kiss me. For the first time in so long, my heartbeat slows when I look back up at Bastion. It pitter-patters, it dances, it's desperately finding a new beat. It's when his eyes glance at my own lips that I realize it's been trying to beat in tandem with his. The kiss he plants on my lips with his hands barely holding on to mine, is soft and sweet. Everything turns to white noise, and I know for a fact, this moment will last forever. To me, to anyone who ever steps foot here, they will feel it. They must, because the world moves around us differently, refusing to let this moment go on as if it's meant to blend in or meant to be forgotten. My eyes are still closed when he pulls away. With a deep breath in and then out, I finally open them. I love falling in love with you, I whisper, and barely notice how the world moves again around us. I swear a blush colors my husband's face. It looks good on him for all his tough exterior. A hint of vulnerability looks damn good. He reaches up for the beer on the bar, but doesn't let go of my left hand, and I don't move my right from his lap. With an asymmetric grin, he asks me casually, you weren't already in love with me? He can try to hide it all he wants, but I know there's a hint of fear beneath his words. How could this man ever think I didn't love him? I've loved you every day since that kiss, I confess to him as he lifts up the beer. When my words hit his ears, he sets the glass back down onto the bar, staring at it and listening as I tell him, I love you every day and in every moment. But falling in love is something you can do over and over again. I want to fall in love with you every chance I get, he tells me. And his voice is deep and rough, laced with a sinful desire and something else, something pure and good. The need to be loved and to feel worthy of being loved. Even as I bite down on my bottom lip, I smile genuinely, snaking my ankle behind his muscular leg. 
I lean into him and whisper, then let's do it every day. He takes a swallow of his beer before kissing me again, teasing me, and I love it. He tastes like wheat IPA and something dangerous, something too tempting to ever resist. I don't lean back as I catch a glimpse of Carter from the corner of my eye. Sebastian follows my gaze, and we both watch him enter a locked door, guarded by two men who open it for him. I haven't said hi to Carter yet, I admit, and wonder what that will be like. He's changed. We all have. That's his brother Jace, Bastion corrects me, and I huff out a breath. They did all used to look alike, I muster up the excuse, but Bastion doesn't seem to care. He takes my hand and my attention with it. Just don't stop loving me. I'll always love you, I speak clearly, very aware of the moment and where we are. But don't hide anything from me. I can't live like that again, and I don't want to keep anything from you like I kept that secret. I have a lot to tell you then, he exhales the words. Are you sure you want to know this, he asks again. And I just barely nod, giving him my consent to bring me into this place. It's not an easy story to tell, he admits to me. And I already know he's telling the truth. This world is cruel and unforgiving, just as lawless as it is tragic. I want to know. Then let's start with Carter's story. Just promise me you'll still love me after this. You're crazy to think I could ever not love you, Bastion. Today, tomorrow, forever. I stare into his eyes when I speak to him, making him feel the depths of my conviction. I love this man and all he is. All that matters is that he loves me the same, and that we'll be together. The End Don't miss out on the Cross Brothers and the Merciless World. Carter's saga, starting with Merciless, is an intense tale that will stay with me forever. I hope these words stay with you as well. Here's to love stories keeping our hearts beating. Jace's story, A Single Glance, is available now and my most recent and most exciting romantic suspense yet. If you haven't read A Kiss to Tell, Chloe and Sebastian's story from the beginning, I highly recommend you read it now and fall in love with every piece of them. Hey, lady listeners, we're back. Hey. Welcome. Happily ever after. Yay. Um, so A Kiss to Keep, again, is uh, it's Chloe and Sebastian's story, which you already know, and you can get more of them in A Kiss to Tell. Merciless is also within that same series, and it's 99 cents. So it might actually, I think she's making it free mid-May, so might even be free at this point. So just double check. She also has a book called Broken, and it's called Broken, colon, A Dark Romance. So it's got 659 glowing Amazon reviews. It's 99 cents. I thought I would, I would read an Amazon review from it because I feel like that's a better indication of what you'd be getting that's into. A good idea. Yeah. So it says, what the author delivers here is not pretty at all. It's intense, gritty, raw, believable, and at times hard to read, yet I found I could not stop reading. This is a story of survival, bravery, courage, guilt beyond measure, and what you convince yourself of that needs to be done in order to stay alive. So th- that that's what happens to Livia after she is kidnapped and faced with the scariest of circumstances. Just remember, things are not always what they seem. You will find this story brings out all sorts of emotions. You can't write this kind of story and not have that happen. It's impossible. Uh, sorry, read this kind of story. More than once, I tried to imagine myself going through what Olivia went through as well as trying to understand what Cade did, some of which are shocking. I'm still trying to come to grips with what happened. <laughs> Life is not black and white. Sometimes choices have to be made. Tough choices, life-altering choices, choices that leave the hardest of men broken. So I'm guessing it's super emotional uh, and gritty, but also uh, it seems to be something that people really loved. And like I've, when I read a dark romance, I, I'm always scared. And then when I come out on the other side, I'm like, I'm so glad I read that. And it seems like that's what Willow Winters writes. So if you're a dark romance fan, I would say go click her books up like ASAP. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I know some of you are probably want the ebook of Picture Perfect, and that is going to be live tomorrow. If you guys want to get pick on that it, up. she's doing it on a Saturday. I believe so. That's when it goes live. So yeah, Evangeline yeah. Anderson's book Picture Perfect, which was on the podcast earlier uh, this season, it's out in ebook tomorrow. So definitely, I know you guys all want that. 
And like, and then we have a book out today too. Ooh, what's it called? We have. We've been talking about it for weeks. Wedding Cake Crushers <laughs> is here. Yay! But we have a special thing with it. You know, we always usually, like I was saying, it's easier to write with a friend. She has a friend in the book. She has a book too we're releasing at the same time, but you can't get it from Amazon. You get it from, if you read the cake book at the very end, you can download her book for free. Nice. That's awesome. So we have a book and a free book. Because we used to do like, remember when we wrote Mechanic, there was like the bonus story at the end of the friend. Well, Amazon doesn't let you do that anymore. And it was just too short to make it a book. Yeah. So So we're just going to give it away. It's awesome of you guys. We're so, so also nice. if you're the to, best. <laughs> if you go to readmeromance.com, you can enter the uh, giveaway that Willa Winters is doing. She's giving away a Kindle and free uh, sorry, signed books of a kiss two. She's giving away a couple of signed books along with the Kindle. Yeah. Nice. Um, sorry, I have it written down here. Yeah, she's giving away Merciless and a Kiss to te- a Kiss to Tell. So yeah, go to readmeromance.com and enter that, or but we'll also put all the links in the show notes. And yeah, I think that's it for this week. Next week we have Molly O'Keefe on the I'm podcast. So excited for her. She has a really she short bur- blurb, so I'm just going to read it. It's called One Last Chance. It's it's here's the blurb. I have two weeks to convince Jack to give me a second chance. Two weeks working in his bar and sleeping in his bed to prove that I'm sorry. And he can be as cruel as he wants, trying to get me out the door, but I won't leave him. Not again. But forgiveness is tricky, and Jack's may cost me more than I have to give. she's a fabulous writer i really like her books so i'm excited for next week she's amazing she's such a nice person she's super nice okay guys that's it for us leah tell them what to do fuck your day up make say your bitch don't be a dick bye (laughs) bye read me romance read read me romance read me romance read read me romance you could take a look in a book that's fine or you could sit back relax and unwind